All right. Thanks for downloading this very special episode of Backstage with the Simple Church. We are talking right now live to two guys in Kuwait, halfway around the world. It is two o'clock here. What time is it there, Gage? So right now it is 22, so 10 p.m. Yep. 10 p.m. The other voice you heard there, Bo, I'm going to let you both introduce yourselves. You guys are United States Marines that had been in Afghanistan. Gage, you grew up at Simple Church. You were in student ministry with me. You were a part of our student ministry band. Your family's been in Simple Church a long time. And honestly, man, with everything happening in Afghanistan the last couple weeks, we had just been thinking of you, and you ended up being deployed there in Afghanistan. And we just wanted to talk to you and check in. So introduce yourself, tell us what unit you're in, all that good stuff, and then introduce who's with you. All right, well, um, I'm uh, Gage Nichols, or I should say Lance Corporal Gage Nichols, um, with the um, 1st Battalion, 8th Marines, um, the Alpha Company. We, um, Me and Bo are both machine gunners with the weapons platoon. And um, yeah, just here recently got sent to Afghanistan to help out with uh, you know, evacuating the Americans from the embassy and helping out with the... Uh, evacuating the refugees from Kabul and um I mean, it's, we uh yeah and Bo uh, tell us about you and where are you from man hello my name is Lance Corporal Jacob Batardo people call me Bo I am from Michigan where in uh, Michigan been Gage's roommate from here and yeah where in Michigan oh where in Michigan uh Metro Detroit area, city called Troy. Okay. There you go. Well, man, thank y'all for coming on. And Gage, whenever we saw that you were headed over there, man, just tell us what was that like when you got your deployment and were y'all aware of stuff that was going on? Had you been following Afghanistan or you just kind of said, wherever you guys send me, let's go? Well, um, so we had a pretty good long workup for this deployment. It was, um, I don't know what you say, like a year. Yeah. Year, I guess, solid year of just nonstop training um, for just get just to get ready to go on the Mew, which is uh, if anybody doesn't know what a Mew is, it's a um, Marine, Marine Expeditionary yeah. Unit. And so we, you just ride on a Navy ship and you stop off in different countries. We um, got deployed in February, and uh, first stop was in uh, the UK. Did a uh, did a bunch of ranges in the UK. Was, which was which was really it was an experience. A lot of mountains, a lot of hiking, and um, after that we you know went and did Libo ports. So you had to go to Greece and Spain, and had a lot of fun there. Um, it's a lot of good times. And then we got um, to Saudi Arabia, which was which was my first you know most of our all of our first taste of what the desert life was like. And there's to be honest, literally nothing in Saudi Arabia. Besides sand and rocks, yeah, and mountains, <laughs> and so we we shot a couple ranges in Saudi Arabia, and then immediately following that, went to um, Oman, and stopped off there, and did had another limo port in Oman, which was fun. And then um, so we were told that we were going to be possibly going to Kuwait, and we weren't really there was like a hundred percent sure, it was kind of iffy, and then finally we got the word that yeah, we're going to Kuwait to be on standby to go into Afghanistan in case they send us over there to, um, they decide to, they decide to send aside to, uh, send troops into 
in Afghanistan to help evacuate the uh, embassy. And and when was that? So we got to Kuwait. We're in Kuwait for uh, late July. Yeah. Like, okay. It's about a month ago. July, probably. Yeah, we got here yeah, about a month ago, and we're just kind of sitting here, and we were kind of like, in our minds, I don't know, we're kind of thinking what we're probably we're going to go. No, honestly, no. The entire deployment, I don't think any of us thought we were going to go anywhere. I didn't believe we were going to be going to Afghanistan until my feet were on Afghani soil. Wow. Yeah. Honestly, I thought we were just going to go do some training in this whole deployment. be just pretty much just training, but we were wrong. Wow. So for a point of reference, Gage, you're 20, I believe. And then... um. 21. 21. Yeah, and then, 21. yeah, Bo, how old are you? I am 20. 20. Okay, so I'm 34. I do remember watching when the first troops went into Afghanistan after September 11th. It's been y'all's whole life. And I'm just curious, did you guys have a, a following of Afghanistan? Did you know anything about it when you were going into it? Or do you guys follow the news, know anything? Or was it just pretty much a clean slate when y'all got there? Oh, uh, we were stuck on ship for about a solid six, seven months, so we didn't really have any news. And the only news we were – we didn't start looking at it until maybe two, three days before we got to Afghanistan because we didn't know what was going on until we got to Kuwait. So. We kind of got like a crash course, <laughs> if you will, in Afghanistan. Sure. And then um, two days later, we were in country – and then pretty much everything after that, I don't know, we kind of just learned as we went. Yeah. Yeah. So what did they have you guys doing when you got not, there? Not exactly. So when we first got there, um, trying to think the best way to describe this, uh, <laughs> we got there, we, we got settled into our, like, we got settled into our, our building we were sleeping in, which was in an abandoned office building. And we had pretty much made camp inside this abandoned office building and we got attached out to our platoons. And so we're all sleeping in there. And then, um, I don't know, about what, two o'clock in the morning? Yeah. We get what the, the first okay, night. Yeah. We, the first night, about two o'clock in the morning, we get woken up and they're basically like, hey, <clears throat> grab all your gear, grab all your stuff. Um, it's we so we don't know what's at the airfield, but it's not good for the most part. And yeah. We everybody's in full throttle mode, minds racing, you know, 100 miles a minute, jumping in the back of the trucks, and we take off for the airfield. And it's actually the second thing we did. Remember the we did a small scale neo, which is a non-combatant, um, non-combatant uh, evacuation operation. Oh yeah, where we helped out. Basically, the people who are actually in the embassy, like American citizens, contractors working there, who we were evacuating and getting out. Basically, all we did was just help them bring their luggages places and made sure they were safe getting on the plane, leaving. Then we got back after 24 hours of no sleep doing that. We thought we were going to be able to sleep. And then two hours later, they wake us up and they're like, all right, we got to go get your gear on. They're rushing us. We have no clue what is going on. They're just telling us to get in the back of these Bearcats. These, they're just big armored, big trucks. armored trucks, essentially. We have no clue where we're going or what we're doing. They just told us to go, get up and go. That's what we did. 
And then for about the next 72 hours, it was just nonstop crowd control and riot control. Craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. The only way really to describe it is kind of like if any of y'all have watched that movie, World War Z. Yes. <laughs> there's yeah. just hordes and hordes of people running at you is the only way I could describe what that looked like. That is wild, um, man. So you guys are at the airport itself? What was that? Say again? Are y'all at the airport at this point? Is that where y'all are doing the crowd control? Right. Yes. yes. We're, we're, on the, we're on the airfield and we're in trucks. And so we're basically we're riding around. It's almost like trying to corral people, you know. Yeah. I remember. So we got into these, these Bearcats, these armored trucks, and we don't know where we're going. They drop us off and they open the doors. I mean, the whole ride there was maybe a five minute ride over there. Yeah. The whole ride, we're all thinking. Everyone's mind, like, what's going to happen? I thought personally that we were going to get shot at because that's what they made it seem like. I thought we were going to have to see see some stuff and maybe get shot at. And we got out, set up a security. We it was it's the middle of the night, so we can barely see anything. We set up a security, which basically all just got online, got on the phone, and then we just hear everybody get up, everybody get up. And we're like, okay, what's going on? And I look to my right, see about a thousand. Would you say about a thousand people? Oh yeah, yeah, about a thousand easily people. thousand plus. People. This is the beginning. It's only only <laughs> yeah. a thousand. A thousand <laughs> people sounds like a lot, but I wish it was a thousand people. This was just the first wow. little taste of how many people were actually trying to jump the walls. So to put a picture in your mind, you have the terminal, then you have the airfield, then you have the embassy. I'd say in between the terminal and the embassy is about a mile, and they're really close to the embassy here. So we're, we get online here, shoulder to shoulder, and we're pushing these people back. You basically have, so you have the civilian side of HKIA, of the airport, and you had like the military side where all of our, like, you know, all of our Air Force planes were at. And between that, there is nothing. You can run from one side to the other. Mm. There's no gates. There's nothing stopping you. Nothing at all. Besides us. Us. <laughs> that's it and so what they would do is and we got them we finally you know so we get out there we get on security everybody's thinking okay we're about to get shot at this is fixing to be real and then we look up and then all we see is a bunch of you know just crazy civilians just running everywhere we're like okay well there's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of refugees just running everywhere we're like okay um, this is not going to be good but you know so we start pushing them back, saying, hey, you can't be right here. It's, just, you know, it's the military side of the base in the, the airfield. And you need to go back to, you know, to the, uh, to, you know, to the civilian side of the airfield. Terminal. terminal. Right. It's the terminal. And so we start pushing them back slowly, like gaining like inches of ground. It took us about three hours to gain maybe a quarter mile of ground. Right. <laughs> wow. Just slowly but surely pushing them back. And then we finally get them to the, you know, civilian terminal. And, you know, they're they're wondering, you know, in their mind, you got to kind of think about it from their perspective. They're wondering what's going on, too. And you're like, well, you have to explain to them, well, hey, you can't, you can't be here. You know what I mean? You have to be at this, you know, at, at this terminal. And so we, we uh, pushed them back. And, you know, finally, 
as the sun came up the next morning, we finally pushed them all the way back. You know, and uh, like maybe an hour or two later, I, I was I was I was pushed off to the flank, just posting security in this in this bear cat. And uh, I looked to my left about when the sun starts to rise, and then I see four thousand people now. Yep. Wow. And I'm like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> So yeah, the four thousand, they yeah, just like he just said, on the flank side, came out of nowhere. Yeah, nobody saw that coming. No one saw that coming. And towards the end of the day, I think there was around eight to ten thousand, is what they said. Yeah, yeah. So the number just keeps rapidly going up, and they outnumber us a good maybe ten to fifteen to one. Yep. (laughs) Wow. so, but for 72 straight hours, we had to sit there and control that airfield because they would come, they would take off and bum rush, you know, they'd take off Russians back to our side of the airfield. We have to circle right back around, push right back to the other side. It was just a game of pong, essentially. Pretty much. It was like ting, 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 back and forth for hours and hours. Mm. So then, how long are you guys there before you see the um, the iconic image that's really gone around? Is the plane taken off with the people uh, that were falling off yes. the side? That was the so we got dropped off around like what, like two, three a.m. Yeah. That was around the afternoon. I think it was around your first day. I honestly, I don't be in. Yes, it was the first day there, but this entire two and a half weeks we were there was all just one big day. We had, mm. I was never, I don't think I really checked my clock once, but I would no. say it was probably midday. You really didn't know what time it was. Not at all. You just knew that, hey, the sun's up and it's hot. You're like, okay, <laughs> it must be the afternoon. I remember with that image. So I was, again, I was in this bear cat, which I was in the whole time. But we see this C-17, it's just starting to move. And I see it's around was like a thousand people just swarming this plane, trying to climb this thing. So we drive up to the left side of this plane and we're trying to get them off. And we're telling them, hey, you can't be on there. Please get off, get off. I don't want to have to use any kind of force or anything like that. After a while of work, we eventually get everybody off the left side. Now we have to deal with the right side. We did not get to that in time. My plane started taking off and... You got that. You got that picture there. The rest is, you know, history. Yeah. So you guys are literally the ones right there in the middle of that. So if people have seen those videos or images, you guys are the ones trying to get them off the plane as that's happening. Yes, sir. Wow. And so, um, that was kind of like our first. That was our first, I guess, we said realization of okay, this situation's fixing to get a lot uglier before it gets better. Yeah. So I know the timeline runs all together, but you guys were there at the base when the Abbey Gate was attacked, the suicide bombing that killed 13 service members, but were on the opposite side of the base. Is that what you had said, Gage? Yes. Yeah. That's so right. we were at we were at a gate called North Gate. And uh, yeah, North Gate, East Gate. And the Abbey Gate. Abbey Gate. Those were the main ones. And um, we were, at that point, we had just relieved. We had been on post for what? Six hours? Probably longer, man. I don't uh, even know. Probably a little bit more than six hours. And we were uh, just doing security. 
and that gate had been closed. North gate had been closed, and Abbey Gate was the only gate that was open. That was the only one that was still taking uh, still taking in refugees. So what we were briefed was that ISIS had put a hit out on all Americans saying they want to kill as many Americans as they can before we pull out. There, they said there was an imminent attack, and they said they were most likely going to attack the main gates, meaning, meaning Abbey Gate and North Gate. Uh, we could have been at the Abbey Gate. It just happened to us to be us at the North Gate. So, you know, it kind of hits home there. Yeah. But I remember we were just getting word of mouth saying, oh, ISIS just suicide bombed the Abbey Gate. And there's, we don't know if there's anyone injured or anything, what's going on. And we're like, wow, uh, I don't want to be here at the North Gate. I want to go over there. Yeah. I, I don't want to be here. I want to be helping out my brothers and my sisters over there. And then they're saying we gotta we gotta stay here. We gotta stay here. You don't know there's possibly an attack that's gonna come here most likely. But and then later we got word that um, a lot of Americans were hit with it. And then it's just if I remember correctly, we were um, we were eating chow. We were just got put like on a rest cycle. Oh, yeah. We were sitting down eating, eating an MRE, and. Um, we had heard over the radio that you know, we heard, like like he, like Bo just said, it was mostly word of mouth. And then we heard over the radio that, that the bombs had actually went off. And then um, at that point, everybody's you know main question is okay. Well, who's hit? Who's killed? You know, you just your main questions start flying through your mind of you know who all do I know over there? Who you know I know guys different companies who all is over there. And it was it was pretty, you know. You had over the the speakers. It went uh, big sirens going off, and it goes ground attack, ground attack, ground attack. Shelter in place, good five times. And we're like, man, this is real. This is for real. To be us. And then we get brief that um, there could be another attack, and they might chop a little hole to the wall and start running through the wall. I was like, okay, well. This is fixing to get real, real ugly. Yeah, Thank man. God. That's heavy. And then, Gage, you said you had known one of the Marines, right? That you had worked with her? Yes. Um, so me and Bo both had known her. Uh, she had deployed with us. She was on the same ship with us the entire deployment. And um, yeah. so... We, um, yeah, she was a she's a great person. Great person. And that was Sergeant Nicole Gee, is that right? G. Yes, G. Sir. G. Yeah. And just watching that here at home, and I know Gage following your parents on Facebook. I cannot imagine when you hear the attack and you know that something's happened and waiting for information and how stressful and difficult that would be. And for all those families that did get that news that their their son or daughter didn't make it, and I just cannot wrap my head around that. And I'm so thankful for you guys and your service and what you do and everybody over there that is keeping us safe, that is fighting for our country, that is trying to help people and make it the best that it can be. You guys aren't making policy. You aren't the ones making decision. But you're the ones that are there on the ground actually doing the work and trying to do the best that you can in the situation. And again, some people give all to sacrifice to take care of us and to make it where we can enjoy the things we do at home. So thank you for that. And I'm sorry for y'all's loss and the loss of all those families that 
their son or daughter wasn't coming home from that. It's it's a heavy thing. Thanks, man. It means a lot. I really appreciate that. No, and I'm thankful you guys are willing to come on and talk about it. I know that it's not always easy and can be tough. And I just want to know, so after that, after you find out that those 13 service members died, how did the mood change? How did that affect you guys? What was the the vibe, if you will, there? And like you said, that they were talking about attacks coming through the wall and other attacks coming. What changed after that point? So, angry silence. Yeah. Mm. About the only way to describe it. <laughs> um, not much talking was happening. Everybody's morale. I mean, everybody's morale, you know, at, at first was, hey, we're going to go help these people. You know, let's go do this. And then after that, everybody's morale just, I mean, dropped tremendously. Dropped, but then we were full with just rage. Anger and rage. And we're watching these, we're watching these. This, this gate, the North Gate, it's got about a, it's got a lot of like thousands, thousands or so refugees right outside. We're watching them like a hawk, mm. looking for anything out of the normal, for bags, looking for any kind of suspicious vehicles or anything like that. We're just ready. We're, we would, yeah, we pretty much get briefed like a new vehicle every other day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch out for, you know, watch out for a Toyota truck, you know, with this color. Watch out for um, moped. moped, or you know, watch right. out, yeah. Watch out for a, uh, you know, just any type of, just like, just like he just said, um, mainly just watching, just like, just like, you know, suspicious activity. Because um, after that, I mean, it really, it really got, that's where it really kind of cranked up the uh, intensity a little bit there. For sure. Do you guys gather around and somebody give a speech? Do y'all all do something or is it too busy actually doing it to stop? Uh, we were just busy. I yeah. mean, pretty much stops. Yeah, for the most part, we were we were wide open every day. I mean, it was nonstop work. You know, we never we get like when we got to a rotation schedule with a different company, um, with Bravo Company. We we're you know like I said, Alpha Company. We got in a twelve hour rotation schedule with them at Northgate, and that was kind of like our first real, um, you know, real actual chance to catch up on sleep, shower, you know get what you can get done in 12 hours and try to scrounge up, you know, whatever sleep you can get. And then, um, half the time, a new mission would come up halfway yeah. through your cycle. And even if you could get a full, full cycle of sleep, it's just, you're kind of just on alert the whole time. Like yeah. when's the next time we're going to have to do something? When's the next time I have to get up? Yeah. So you guys are safely in Kuwait now. We were very glad to hear that, Gage. And I know everybody here and following your parents posting, we're very glad. And all of you guys that made it out there safely, where were you guys in the order of people getting out? Were you all the very last plane? Were you the last couple planes? How did that all shake out when you all got out? We were the first Marines on the ground and the, the last Marines out. Yep. Wow. So at that point when our, everybody – Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, at that point, when everybody else is leaving, there's less and less people around you guys. Was it more stressful? Was it more likely there's attack? I mean, was it, what was the the morale um, well, like at that point? Well, so, about that, um, <laughs> actually, so the day we get ready, we got off our, we had to wake up at uh, 06. We're actually like earlier than that. Uh, get moving at 06. And they said, all right, your packs are going to be staged at the airport, you know, the terminal at, you know, it's zero seven. We're like, okay. 
great. We can get out of here early. And they said our flight should be getting here about zero nine. We'll load up on the birds and then fly back to Kuwait. And everybody was super happy. <laughs> we get to the airport, get to the terminal, and we haven't even been there for maybe an hour. And we hear incoming over the intercom. So like like Bo said earlier, if there's, you know, if you're getting attacked by, like, you know, IEDs or you're getting, you know, like people are shooting at you, it's a ground attack. And they'll come over the intercom, announce a ground attack, like you said, like four or five times and say shelter in place. If you're incoming, however, that means <laughs> that means you're about to get hit with mortar fire or rockets. And they shot rock, five rockets at us that day. Yeah. But mm. luckily, we have this fancy thing called a C-RAM. It's a counter-rocket, artillery, and mortar. So it senses these mortar, artillery, or rockets in the air, and it just sends thousands of the bullets at it or whatever it is and just explodes it in the air. It almost looks like a giant laser beam. It's, yeah, it's huh. like a giant laser it, It's a really cool, it's a cool thing. Sounds like a good but, thing you want so on your side. We're all, oh, oh absolutely. And so we were all sitting there, you know, on our packs loading gear up, and all of a sudden they we hear incoming over the uh, intercoms, and everybody's like, oh, man. And so we just start scrambling. Yeah, everybody geez. ran to a bunker. Half of us ran to a bunker. The other half ran inside the airport. Funny story. I was one who ran into a bunker. Bad idea because it turns <laughs> out when I ran into that bunker – there was just a bunch of refugee feces just all over that bunker. Oh. They, didn't, they didn't want to use the bunker. <laughs> yeah. So I had to stay in there for however long it took for us to get cleared. It was a good 45 minutes. Oh. That was bad. I wanted to puke. <laughs> that, was, that, was one, uh, that was one thing about – that was one of the worst things about you know, the situation over there was just the sanitation issues. It was bad. It was – I don't think I'll ever – in my entire life, see anything that was, it was just like, smell anything yeah, that bad. Uh, mm. Yeah, I mean, just following it on this side, it's just an awful situation all the way around. And I just, I cannot imagine being there and you guys being in the middle of it and what you went through. Again, thank you for sharing that today and thanks for talking about it. So you're in Kuwait now. Do you guys know what's next? Uh, home. Going, going home, man. That's awesome. Yes, Back sir. to, I uh, got the good old. North Karaliki. <laughs> and then, Gage, you were saying you might be home around Christmas time. Is what you're thinking back in Treeport, Bozier? Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, might give me, hopefully, they'll give us like they did last time about 18 days. We can come home and enjoy enjoy family life. So, we've been gone about almost, we've been gone for just about nine months at this point. So, we're, we're definitely ready to get back. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you guys for sharing that with us today. We had been praying for you, Bo, even though we didn't know you. We got a bunch of folks here that were thinking about you guys and just wanted to reach out and gauge. I appreciate your time and talking about it. Gage, you went to Northwood, right? The Pride of Northwood High School? That's a negative there, sir. I went to North DeSoto High School. North DeSoto. I apologize. The North DeSoto High School. Going and making them proud over there, right? Like that, man. Come on now. That's right. I apologize. That's my bad. It's bad youth pastor. 
But I'm super thankful for y'all talking about that. And I hope if you're listening, you continue to pray and think about everybody that is deployed, what's going on in Afghanistan and around the world. And man, it's a lot, and it's hard to get in our own worlds. And I know here, COVID in the news and everything in our own lives that we forget that there's a lot happening, a lot of stuff that's out of our control. And I'm just so thankful that you guys are safe for what you're doing and trying to help as many people as you could. And I'm just super, super grateful that we are able to talk with you, that you're doing that gauge and proud of you, man. And thank y'all for your time today. Bo, nice to quote meet you over the internet. Yeah, nice to meet you, man. Oh, man, we, uh, we, we enjoyed y'all uh, having us out. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for downloading this episode of Backstage with the Simple Church Podcast and hope you subscribe. Get every episode. Don't miss one next week.